Welcome to Hubstaff's Agency Advantage Podcast, hosted by Andy Baldacci. Each week, Andy interviews a successful agency owner who shares their proven strategies to help you build and grow your agency. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to episode number 50 of Hubstaff's Agency Advantage Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Baldacci, and today I'm talking with Rich Brooks of the web design and internet marketing agency, Flight New Media. In addition to running his agency, Rich also runs the Agents of Change conference in the great state of Maine and also hosts the Agents of Change podcast. Today, we're going to talk about his decision to create the conference and then the podcast, his challenges along the way, and how these side products have helped fuel his agency and even the unusual way it helped him improve his margins. If you've ever thought about putting on a live event of any scale or are curious how something like a podcast could help your agency, then this is a podcast for you. So without further ado, here's Rich. Rich, thanks for coming on the show today. Oh, I'm glad to be here. Rich, I've got to ask, how do you go from selling medical supplies to nursing facilities to starting a marketing agency, running an industry conference, and hosting a podcast, among many other things? That is a long journey, my friend. Uh, <laughs> let me see where I can start. I was, as you say, I was working in a medical supply company. We, I was a traveling salesperson, and I was reading articles in the paper, the physical paper that used to be delivered to my door, um, about the internet. And I was so like kind of bummed because I used to be so into computers and the fact that these reporters knew more about computers and the internet that I did, I just felt like out of touch. So I went out and I bought an Apple Performa computer and I sat down and I got online with AOL and a few of the others. There were a number of different services back there that back then that competed with AOL, got on all of them and discovered the web. And then from the web, I started doing some reading on how to put together a website and I put together my first website and I always need like a purpose to create something. So I said, Oh, I'll create one for the company that I work for. So I did that and I came in that, you know, after the weekend, I said, look what I put together for you guys. And my boss was like, that's great. And he immediately took me off the road and put me in the office. Uh, where there was a woman there who I couldn't stand, and I knew right then that I got to get out of there because I loved building the website, but I really didn't like being, you know, the inside person in the office. So uh, a few months after that, I quit my job. I created this co- cross-country website that still exists. I basically it was a prototypical blog where every day I, it, it, as often as I could, I'd get online, I'd create a new post, and I'd update it. It wasn't on blogging software; I just had to use whatever was available. And I did this cross-country trip, and I picked up a couple of clients during that period, and then I was off to the races and uh, basically started building websites for small businesses and over time uh, started learning about search engine optimization and then blogging and then email marketing and ultimately social media and webinars. And that basically was the the agency route that I took where I continued to hire people. I assumed that, you know, after a while, programmers would learn to design or designers would learn to program. I'd be out of a job. What I didn't know back then is you can hire people better than you and run a business, which is what I ended up doing. And uh, and then the whole, which I'm sure we'll get into, but the whole uh, putting on conferences then kind of stemmed from my days at Flight New Media. How would you describe the services that Flight New Media offers today? Sure. Uh, these days, we kind of describe ourselves as a digital agency because that tends to be the shorthand for what we do. We have about half of our business is on the design and development end. We are a WordPress agency. Everything we build is on WordPress. We do uh, a l- mostly... Uh, lead gen sites. We do some e-commerce as well. We don't shy away from it. We just tend to get more lead gen sites. And then the other half of the business is the marketing. And that's the search engine optimization, social media, email marketing, blogging, content creation. And that seems to be the growing part of the business right now for us. You start out doing the websites, then you really you expand out, you start hiring, you grow this team around you, you start doing the marketing, you start doing all of that. At what point did you say, I should start a conference. Like how, how did that whole thing come about? That's a great question. And it wasn't like just all of a sudden the, the switch was flipped. Uh, it was a while ago and 
I decided – I had been asked a couple times to speak on different topics. This was – oh my god, probably 10, 12 years ago at this point, maybe more. And uh, me and a friend just decided that we were going to put something on at the chamber. And we decided we'd charge money for it. You know, why not? And we had a room of like 30 people and uh, and we got paid for it. And that was nice. Um, and I talked about, uh, I want to say search engine optimization. She talked about general marketing. And I really enjoyed it. I mean, I was terrible. I knew how bad I was. But I knew that this was a, like a good platform for me or something I'd grow into. And also, when you're up on stage you own the room. I mean, obviously you could also lose the room, but you have that opportunity to establish yourself as an expert, to get immediate feedback from people in the room. It doesn't have to be a big room either. Like I love speaking to large audiences, um, but you know, I'm just as content speaking to 10 to 12 people as long as they're the right 10 to 12 people. So from that very small thing that I put on myself, I decided to start to look to get other speaking gigs. And uh, then, um, and it was actually just a series of speaking gigs in a row where I started talking about social media. Like it was just bubbling up to the surface. You know, Facebook had just become something that the general public could use. And I had done like three, two or three in a row. And I had met another woman, a local woman who was doing them too. And one of the things I noticed is that every presentation that I did on social media was completely sold out. And standing room only. And this was, I knew not because of me, because I'd been doing present, similar presentations on SEO and email marketing and such for years and never got that kind of response. So she, I, and another woman who spoke on social media got together and we decided to form a half day conference called Social Media FTW. FTW stands for a lot of things, but in this case, it stood for, for the win, which was a, a popular social media phrase at the time. And we just decided to put on a half day conference here in Portland, Maine. And we, you know, charged like 99 bucks for it. And we sold out. We sold like, I want to say three or 400 tickets. I mean, it was amazing, especially, I don't know if your listeners are familiar with Portland, with Maine, but you know, our entire state population is like a million people. We only right. have one area code <laughs> for the entire state. So to get three to 400 people into one place for a day or a half day is pretty impressive. And especially um, now, I mean, Portland's changed a ton in the past five years or so, but it wasn't, oh, yeah. it's not really known for tech or marketing either, really. It wasn't. I mean, we always had a, we have a very vibrant creative community, but this was definitely something where we just happened to be in the right place at the right time. Um, these two women were both, one was working for another company. The other was kind of doing the consulting thing. I definitely saw the benefit from it for flight because a lot of people couldn't tell the difference between social media FTW and flight. It was just, they were both Rich Brooks's things, which was great for me. Um, so that's when I started to see the power of doing live events. Um, one of the things, and I don't know how deep we want to get into it, is after three years, the band broke up. Like, I had just basically had enough. I felt like I, I, I walked out of the third event. I'm like, never again will I put on an event. You know, this is like so much work, totally not worth it, really kind of burnt out. And by chance, that night, there was a social media breakfast that happened to be at night, the night after our event. And it was because it was about local beer companies and what they were. And for those people who don't know, the beer situation in Portland, Maine is just beyond the pale. Unbelievable. And it's only gotten better. Um, but anyway, so it was like what local breweries were doing for social media. And by chance, Chris Brogan, who grew up in Maine, was the moderator. So I, you know, was a big Chris Brogan fan, still am, walked over to him. And as I always do, I say, hey, Chris. Rich Brooks, you know, and he's like, Rich, we've met like 20 times. It's, it, <laughs> stop introducing yourself. So he asked me about the event and I told him about it. I didn't even know he knew I had an event. So that was awesome. And uh, he basically said that he wanted to get involved in the next one I did. And so from that moment, I went from I will never put on another event to how quickly can I schedule this? And so I did. I created basically a very similar footprint event, which we call agent, the Agents of Change Digital Marketing Conference. I booked Chris Brogan and uh, then I created an event based on what I wanted to get out of a conference uh, going forward. So that that's ba that was that was five years ago or four years ago now, and we've had now five of these Agents of Change digital marketing conferences. And I'm curious because you said what you hope to get out of the event. And it seems like from when you launched the first event to when you're like, all right, I'm going to launch AOC. We're going to do this. We're going to do it. It's kind of more my show this time. What was it actually that you're really hoping to get out of it in terms of not necessarily like concrete metrics or anything, but just bigger picture. What did you want? What would have made you say like, all right, this was a success? 
So I guess I can answer that from a few different perspectives. When I said that a few minutes ago, I was thinking about like, if somebody else were going to put on an event near me, what kind of event would I want to attend? So that was part of it. So I wanted to create the event that I would want to go to. And so one thing was, obviously, social media had been very good to me up until this point. Um, so I certainly knew I wanted to make it about social media. But I had felt that so many social media people had or so many businesses, small businesses, had started focusing entirely on social media, forgetting about search. And in my mind, I'm like, you cannot forget about search. It's so critically important, you know, in terms of driving new visits and, and reading all these blog posts by social media gurus about how SEO is dead. I'm like, you guys are totally wrong on this. So I knew I wanted to have search. I knew I wanted to have social. And there was this conversation that was brewing at the time about mobile marketing. And I just knew from having an iPhone that mobile was going to become more important. I, you know, I, I won't say like I'm some brilliant guy, but I mean, it was one of the times where I was like, this is going to change everything. And everybody loves their phone. And this was when iPhones were still fairly new. But I'm like, I know this is big. So for me, I had wanted to put on a conference about search, social, and mobile marketing. And then basically, I had bought a domain name. Or maybe, I'm sorry, I hadn't bought a domain name. I had this idea that social media and these other tools were accelerants. Like, it, your marketing was good or bad, but social media just made things go faster. So I thought about coming up with a a brand name that was built around the word accelerant. But they all stunk, like Accelerant World, Accelerant Expo, like it's just terrible. So I went to the thesaurus, found the word catalyst. I'm like, oh, oh, that's strong. Nice hard seat. Still, none of those really resonated with me. So I went back and I used the thesaurus to look up catalyst. And the first result was Agents of Change. And I'm like, oh my God, that's perfect. I'm a huge comic book fan. I could already see like the graphics that we would make for the event. And I uh, called up my friend Josh Fisher, who actually does a lot of work for Baxter Brewing and also Chris Brogan, among others. And I've always loved his stuff. He and I actually did a fun website called uh, zombieipsum.com. If any of the <laughs> designers out there do uh, Lorem Ipsum and you need a Halloween themed one, we just created Zombie Ipsum. You got to check out the artwork that Josh did. Though. It's it brilliant. Brilliant. Did he stuff. do the artwork for Agents of Change? Yes, he did. Because that's really cool, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, we and this was some a piece of advice that Mike Stelzner from Social Media Examiner gave me is if you're going to go all in, like spend a lot of time, effort, and money on the branding because that's what separates you because it's so inexpensive to start a lot of these things, especially in social media. So by creating a recognizable brand, you're already you know a far way along. So yeah, so basically that was how we got started with with the brand name for Agents of Change. And so what I wanted to get out of this was partially I wanted a speaking gig. You know, I won't lie. I've got a big ego and it needs to be fed. And I love presenting. I love getting in front of a big audience. And I knew that if I put on a conference that I could guarantee myself a quote unquote keynote there. So that was good. Um, and I also knew I could leverage some of the relationships that I had made with people like Chris Brogan. And the first year I had Amy Porterfield speak and Derek Halpern speak, obviously very big names. Um, it's kind of interesting because Derek and Amy do very few live presentations anymore, but at the time they were interested and I got them to come out and do it. Um, and you know, from part of it was positioning myself as an industry expert and being able to stand up on stage quote unquote, next to those people elevated my personal brand, you know, so there's definitely that kind of thing behind it. Also, although we didn't do as good a job in the first year, we're doing a better job. And we're getting much more serious about saying agents of change powered by flight new media. So now we've got this great brand that's out there, we've built up an audience, we built up interest in it. And then we're tying it back to our, you know, so if you want to just learn Agents of Change is great for you. If you want to have somebody help you do this stuff, then you want to talk to Flight New Media. So that way we can kind of capture some of those people who come to the conference, feel overwhelmed, want some training, want some consulting. And then so we do get work from the conference who would have never heard of us any other way feeds into Flight New Media's production calendar. To me, it's similar to a podcast, obviously on a different scale, but having a, a podcast can give you access to experts in your field. And almost just by association, you can be associated as an expert. And so, for, especially for a conference, so where you are literally giving the keynote, you're able to prove that you're actually worth standing on stage next to the other people because you do have the expertise. So it is almost a, a shortcut to getting some of that more recognition of your authority. Would you agree with that? 
Absolutely. Whenever you're posed next to somebody who's, um, you know, well-known and influenced or whatever you want to call it, uh, that definitely can bring up your own visibility. And, uh, you know, as long as you don't completely punt the ball there, uh, it can definitely help. And so it helped with my personal brand, and then it also helped with Flight New Media as well. Mm. And so at what point did you say, this conference is going great, where can I take it next, let's do the podcast? How was it as fluid as that, or was it something... How did that come about? I wish it was as fluid as that. <laughs> um, I had already kind of desi- decided to do a podcast. It was interesting. Like, Blog World uh, was around, and and we saw, like, almost the demise of the podcast, it seemed. And then all of a sudden, like, a year later, the complete resurrection. And I know this has happened a hundred times. Nothing seems to die and come back to life as often as podcasting. But um, it was right around the time my friend John Lee Dumas started getting into podcasting as well, Entrepreneur on Fire. And, um, and I just, I like interviewing people. I tried a podcast way back in the day and just hated it because what I ended up doing is I was spending six hours to create like a 10 to 15 minute podcast and it was just too much work. And so when I started hearing some of these interview based podcasts, like the kind you're doing, I'm like, oh my God, that's so easy. All the work is on the interviewee, uh, which isn't exactly true, but l- like you've probably discovered, it's easy to interview people. You know, you certainly, you, you, you Come up with some questions and then there's the benefits of, like you mentioned, it's a great way of connecting with influencers. And the other thing is sometimes it's like, if I don't know something, I go out and I find the expert and then I get to interview them and then I'm that much smarter. Exactly. So it's like, for example, if you're a curious you, person, it, it's, it's like the best thing ever. Oh yeah. I, I will sometimes take a podcast interview exactly where I need it to be. You know, it's like, so how do I get more people to like the agents of change conference or whatever it might be? You know, so I, I got Subi Zimmerman on my show because I, I, well, my audience actually asked me a couple times for talk about Instagram when Instagram was just starting to emerge as a marketing platform. And then I got Sue's name and, and we connected and we've done a lot of things since. So again, that's a great, that's a great opportunity where uh, where I was able to connect with an influencer. At the time, she was an up-and-coming influencer. Now she's a huge deal. Uh, but that completely worked out for me. And also just to get knowledge. You know, that's another big thing is I had a client who had some reputation management issues, and I'm not an expert. And so I got on the phone and I got on the, uh, got on Skype with an, with an expert in reputation management. I was able to basically create the show, which I thought would be valuable to a lot of people. And then I just sent that link over to my client. I could have white labeled it and pretended like I knew that stuff all along, but I just figured that she would enjoy listening to a whole interview anyways. Um, so yeah, so like having speakers... At your event, having the podcast is very beneficial. What I unfortunately did was I decided to create a third brand beyond flight and agents of change called the marketing agents, which was just going to be a, well, it was going to be a podcast, a YouTube channel and a blog. And this was going to be my third job. And uh, it was a terrible idea. Uh, First, my work suffered and then my marriage, well, not my marriage, but my, my home life suffered because I was up at all hours in the night doing all this work. Um, And after a hundred episodes of the marketing agents, I realized that literally it was the same message as agents of change. So I just said, you know what? I'm just going to fold it all into agents of change. We keep the old website up for the marketing agents. All hundred episodes are up there, but we've got a pop-up window that directs people. That old site still gets 5,000 or 6,000 visitors a month. I'm not doing anything with it, so I don't see any reason to change anything right now. If it all of a sudden plummets, maybe I'll think about moving those shows over to AOC. But uh, but yeah, so that's what happened. That was basically I created the podcast almost as a, a third side hustle and then decided that I would just bring it out under the umbrella of Agents of Change. What would be preventing you from folding Flight New Media into the Agents of Change brand? Nothing really. There's probably more name recognition, at least locally, with Flight New Media. I'd hate to leave it behind. I I built up so much energy behind it. Um, But I was just thinking about that as you asked me that. And if if there are people out there listening going, oh, I should create a second brand, I don't know that you should. Um, You know, if you if I could go back in time, I might have created a brand called Flight School, which would have been branded with flight and just done everything under there. Um, I kind of inherited Flight New Media as a name. Uh, when I came to town, I don't have any design skills. I don't have any branding skills. I really don't know what I'm doing here. Um, but I called – this was back in the days. So I, I grew up uh, – I started my business in out of Jamaica Plain in Boston. 
And then I moved up here to Maine. And when I moved up here, you know, I didn't know anybody except for my now wife. I grabbed the Yellow Pages. We used to have Yellow Pages. This is 1999. And I opened it up and I went to the graphic design section. And I literally just called up all the people in that section. And I had a little thing I'd say to them when I got them on the phone, which is, hey, you're a designer. Uh, I'm, I build websites. I'm a terrible designer. You're probably starting to get calls for websites. Why don't you tell them you do them and then just give me the work and I'll do it underneath you. And uh, from that, I developed a number of relationships in town. And one of them was with a design firm that wanted me to build a website they would design. And they said, we'll design your website for you. And so I said, great. They hated the name that I had at the time. And understandably so. I was called B1 Communications back then. It didn't even have any meaning. I was going to ask. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, it it meant nothing really. I don't even know how I came up with it. Um, And then um, they gave me Flight New Media, which I'm pretty sure was a rejected idea from another (laughs) client. But it didn't matter. I I decided to go with it. And uh, it just kind of grew from there. So that's where Flight New Media came from. And... I forget what your question was, but no, <laughs> was it was, a, it was about it was about rolling that into the Agents of Change brand. But I mean, there is clearly a lot of heft behind the Flight New Media brand. You've put a lot of work in, into that, into building that up, and so yeah, it's tough to leave a brand behind, to be yeah. honest, because people do know it. You know, when I started Agents of Change, and I thought everybody knew that I had started Agents of Change. Uh, one of my friends, when he saw the Agents of Change, and that it was going to be on the same day that, from the previous year that Social Media FTW was, he was like <laughs> ready to go fight somebody. He's like, "I'm going to go kill this person." I'm like, "Dude, chill. It's, it's me. okay, man. I'm, yeah. I'm the guy doing this." So, anyway. <laughs> If certain types of people, I don't know how to describe it, like I'm one of those people where I'll have so many different ideas and it's really hard to rein it in and not pursue them. But when you have all of these different brands and you have all these different even just domains and landing pages, it can get really hard to unify them all. So I, I appreciate the the lesson you taught was like, all right, the two, it was manageable. I don't know if I would do it again that way, but I did it. The three, just too much. Too much, absolutely. Now, that being said, I am starting uh, a third brand because like you, I'm entrepreneurial. I have ADHD. Uh, we were joking the other day as grown-ups in the United States, our choices are ADHD or depression and I'll choose ADHD every day. Um, so anyway, so yeah, I'm starting a marketing for wedding professionals brand with a friend of mine. You know, we're entrepreneurs, we're creators. It's hard for me to not start something new all the time. So, but this is a very separate brand. It's a similar message, but to a very narrow audience. So I'm kind of intrigued by that. I've never had that opportunity before. So, and I feel like it's kind of just a, a version, um, of the Agents of Change conference. In fact, I jokingly called it the Agents of Matrimony and my partner's <laughs> like, not in a million years. We're not call that. <laughs> no, because it's funny because I don't know if you're familiar with Brennan Dunn at all. Oh yeah. I had him on yeah. my show. Yeah, no, Brennan's great, but a lot of his message comes down to taking what a lot of people would call like a narrow positioning, not necessarily niche, but working for very specific people on specific problems. And a lot of, especially creatives, they hate that just because the idea of being kind of bundled into this one little thing is the opposite of what they want. It's almost claustrophobic to them. But when you have something like you're saying this where there is overlap with what you're already doing, but it's not taking away from it, then it can be easier to experiment in broadening your reach and going after not necessarily another brand, but uh, almost like an extension of your current one. And so that's where I, I found that it can work. It's not to say it's easy. And I think you're fully aware of that as well. Yeah, there are definitely challenges. This also goes to my whole thing about I love putting on events and I love the experience of putting on events. Um, So the more I can do, the better I get at them and the better I can then teach that. So a lot of what I do with the conferences, with my blog, with my podcast is all about educating and teaching and as well establishing myself as an expert. And so I just gave my first manuscript. I've been trying to write a book since 2010. I finally sat down to actually do it. Just gave my manuscript off to my editor. And uh, now, as soon as that's done, I can start working on my second book, which is really what I wanted to write in the first place, which is all about how to put on events for entrepreneurs. So I was about to ask. I was going to say, do you teach how to put on these events i've done a, i've done a few presentations on the topic and i did do a beta version of a master class a couple years ago and it was interesting and enjoyable but at the time it, the timing was wrong for me right then i needed to get some things in 
in line um, with my own business. I needed to fix some stuff within flight so that I could focus on some of my side hustles. And I feel like I've gotten to that point. So now I can give attention to things like agents and streamline marketing and this uh, these books that I want to write. Because mm. I remember when you first talked about putting on that event for your local chamber, it immediately I thought of Brennan because that's how he drummed up a lot of business. And that's how he built his first million dollar agency was giving small presentations to his local chamber of commerce and his would be free and it would be almost like an in-person webinar rather than a full conference or anything like that. But events in general can have a huge impact on German business because like you said, you're at center stage. You're the expert. Even if they don't know who you are before the event, when they come in there, you're the guy they're listening to. Like that alone gives a lot of authority to you. Absolutely. I mean, it positions you as the leader, the expert for sure. And then just being in the same room with somebody. I mean, Webinars are great, uh, but there's no way you're getting the same level of connection with a webinar that you are in real life. So, you know, some of the things I do are very scalable, like a podcast, and then some of the things I do are not so scalable, but can be very effective. And I think it depends on the kind of business you're going for. You know, my agency... Uh, might be small in comparison to some agencies elsewhere. Um, but we're probably one of the higher up agencies in Maine, at least when it comes to digital agencies. So we're only going to take on so many clients. I don't need a thousand clients a year to succeed. I need about 10 to 15 new clients a year to succeed. And to be honest, in the way the direction we're heading with more ongoing work, I think that that number could even be reduced. So a lot of it depends on what type, how much business you need, what type of business is a recurring work, which is what I'm now striving for versus one-offs. If all you're doing, if you're you know listening now and all you're doing is building websites and there's not a lot of stuff you can do after the website, that's a very difficult business to be in. So I would be looking at different ways, you know, what kind of, you know, care plans can we put together? What maintenance plans can we put together? What kind of marketing can we do month in and month out to help our clients succeed and so that they'll feel confident continuing to work with us and give us money every single month? Right. And on that point, one of the one issues that, I mean, recurring revenue for agencies is sort of like the holy grail because you don't, you when you get that up to a certain point, you don't have to have all the stresses about payroll. You don't have to worry about overhead as much because you're not worried about when's the next client going to come. When you know you have enough regularly coming in to keep things going, to keep the lights on. But I've seen so many agencies fall into the trap of just taking on all of these maintenance and support contracts that don't pay them that much. And so that's why I think, especially on the marketing side, where you're really producing consistently high value activities for them, that's where, in my mind at least, is the where I would shoot for. Some of the, the maintenance things are, are they're fine. If you can find a way to do it without getting taken advantage of, without burning out, go for it because that'll keep them, like you said, keep the client happy with you so that when there is a bigger project, they'll come back. It's just it can be a slippery slope with with getting too far down that road. Yeah, I mean every Every success has, you know, like some pitfalls for sure. Um, I like to keep a balance anyways. I mean, certainly I could go with an all marketing agency and not do any web design. But to be honest, I love the web design part of it. And in my mind, the website is the hub of all your digital activity. So I want to be involved in that part too. We're big fans of building up email lists and conversion rates. So you can't really do that unless you're also focused on designing amazing results-driven websites. Right. It's not going to operate just in a vacuum. So you need to have all those pieces in place. But like you said, it's just being aware of what those pitfalls are. We, we talked kind of in broad terms about why you've done the conference, what it's been like since. But I want to get more to specifics. What kind of impact has the podcast, has the conference had inside and outside of your agency? Yeah, so those that's a great question. And those are some things that we are still trying to come to terms with. So I'm giving you a snapshot of where we are today. The answer actually would have been very different just a few weeks ago. And if you call me next week, it might be different. But I'll tell you where we are today with this. Uh, and this is a kind of convoluted answer, but I'm going to do the best I can. So us defining agents of change as a portion of flight is a fairly new thing, like treating it as a year-long project, because it used to be just the conference, and we basically, we'd spike up and then drop down afterwards, um, but now with the podcast and doing local workshops, and we're trying to get back into monthly webinars, it is a year-round event, and it's so something that flight creates, and we could look at it as just marketing, 
and lead gen. So that way we could take a loss on it and still feel good about it. But I don't like to do that. Um, I want to be making year round, I want to be making money year round on this, you know, so I have to think about what can we do under the AOC banner. So the podcast was one thing. So taking the podcast first. It's not super expensive to run a podcast. There's the opportunity cost for what you're doing. You know, you could be doing something else, sales, proposal, whatever. Um, but it doesn't take that much time. And that might be time you wouldn't be doing anything else. And there's so many benefits from it. And as we discussed before we got on, you know, there's the time it takes my team to edit the show. And I'm looking at possibly outsourcing that to a third party who I know can just crank it out every month. And I know exactly what I'll have to pay. And then for my podcast, the Agents of Change podcast, we have a transcriptionist who we use and she writes up a full uh, transcription of the of the um, of the podcast with great notes and all these benefits and bells and whistles as well which I feel helps with helps us with search engine optimization too because then you have all those words in there um, and so that's like that's you know not all that expensive either so it's there's an expense but it's not super expensive um, I started looking into sponsorships and uh, getting back to John Lee Dumas, he kind of set the price point um, on what sponsorships cost for each show. And when I looked at the numbers that he put out there and then kind of almost was were ado- adopted um, by the industry, and maybe somebody came out with him first, but that John was the first person I saw with him out there. Um, I realized that based on my Roughly number, what are the, were the numbers that he put? I out don't there. remember. You, you'd, ha, <laughs> I, you'd have to look if you go to uh, if you Google Entrepreneur on Fire and uh, podcast advertising rates. I'm sure it's the top result. Um, but when I did the math based on my 2,000 or so downloads per episode, uh, which was healthy, but I mean nothing compared to some of the numbers in the industry. I was going to have to do a 30 second, 60 second, and 30 second ad every single podcast to get basically $150 to $200 a month. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, that's just not really, like, I'm really taking advantage of my audience. It's very disruptive for the, because I've never done it before. Um, I know that a lot of people do it, and I'm certainly not looking down on sponsorships at all. Sponsorships are a huge part of the Agents of Change conference, um, and to a lesser degree, the podcast. I occasionally will mention somebody who's helping me out. Um, but I just, I didn't feel good about that for the return that I'd get. Like, if I was getting $2,000 a month, I might have been like, hmm, maybe this is worth it. Um, but I just, I didn't feel great about it. And then by chance, um, this guy who apparently listened to all my shows, tweeted out my most recent episode about conversion rates and along with some message that said, we really need help with this. So I tweeted him back. I'm like, hey, do you want to talk? And we tweeted a couple more times and we DM'd and then we emailed and then we got on the phone and he ended up signing a contract with us. And that contract has been uh, about $50,000 worth of business so far for my company over many months. Uh, But it's a monthly contract. So we're doing a minimum of like $3,000 a month for him. uh, And it's been great. It's been a great experience. And um, then more recently, another person who is listening to this show says, I've been listening for months. I keep on hiring people, uh, stitching together everything you say, and it's just not working. Can I just hire you to do it? And I'm like, how do you not know that I can do it? So that's like, of course you can. (laughs) Uh, So now actually I'm a little bit clear about it at the end of each show. Like, oh, by the way, you can hire Mm. me to do this for you. Um, But he, he ended up hiring us and um, it was a $15,000 contract, uh, which is, you know, fantastic. And then we just went from 10 hours a month to 20 hours a month with him because he had so much work, we couldn't get it done. And so we increased the budget and he was like, yeah, okay, let's do that. So, in just those two jobs that I can directly, you know, say it wouldn't have happened if not for the podcast, because those people never would have heard of Flight New Media. Mm-hmm. So those, I mean, like that's like I for, forgot the math, but sixty-five, seventy thousand dollars worth of business in less than a year and a half just from that podcast. For an agency like mine, that advertising, that sponsorship doesn't make any sense. But establishing credibility, establishing trust, um, showing that we understand it and that we'll bring the experts to the field, that definitely makes a difference. And what's interesting is we've sometimes brought in some of the experts that we've um, had on the show to consult with some of the people we've worked with. So, I mean, there's that benefit Uh as well, too. Yeah, it gives you a network of people you can tap into as needed. But I I like when you you broke down the numbers like that because it's – when you – are an agency that is dealing with contracts that are regularly well into the five figures or even just around five figures, you have 
a good amount of leeway for the interesting things you can do to generate qualified leads. Like you were saying back in the beginning of the show, you don't always need to be talking to a packed auditorium of people. You could be talking to a small audience of 10 people as long as those are 10 of the right people who could buy from you. And that's where I think these events are just so powerful, whether it's a podcast, whether it's any type of thing that is showing your expertise and helping people. Because if it just touches one person and gets them to raise their hand and say, hey, please help me, it'll pay for dozens more of those to go out there again. Yeah, absolutely. The irony of going from what Rich just said into our own ad is not lost to me at all. And this is actually something we really do struggle with. The podcast isn't generating consulting clients for us that are paying us tens of thousands of dollars. So we do need some way to tie the show back to Hubstaff. And right now, that's with an ad. And we do try to keep it short and unintrusive. But if you can think of a better way for us to tie it all together, I'd love to hear from you. In the meantime, though, sit tight for this short message from our sponsor. The Agency Advantage podcast is brought to you by Hubstaff. Hubstaff makes time tracking software for remote teams so that you can stop tracking time with spreadsheets or whatever else your team decided to use that week and start getting the insights you need that can only come from having accurate data all in one place. Our best clients are agency owners, and while they love the accountability that comes with it, it's sort of like Upwork but without the crazy fees, where they really find the value is by being able to connect Hubstaff with their project management tool to see how much time it really takes to deliver each part of a project. Think of it as Google Analytics for your team. I've been absolutely blown away by how many times an agency owner has come up to me and said, Andy, we started using Hubstaff a month ago, and after looking over the data, we realized we've actually been losing money on one of our most popular services. If you don't know what your real profit was on your last project, then you'd need to try Hubstaff out. To say thanks for tuning into the show, Hubstaff is offering all of our listeners a 30% discount on all of our plans. All you need to do is head over to try.hubstaff.com forward slash podcast and use the coupon code advantage that's try.hubstaff.com forward slash podcast and coupon code advantage all right let's get back to rich the question i'm sure a lot of listeners have at this point is all right i see some value in this like well i see a lot of value in this but one launching a conference you'll attest is a ton of work but for more on the podcast side for all of this so like, how do you manage to balance keeping all of these activities going while still running a successful agency? It's a challenge. There's no two ways about it. And, and it's kind of interesting because like I said, we're, just, we're in a position, we're in a place of transition right now in terms of how we're looking at our billable time and all this other stuff. So um, I have gotten really frustrated lately with Flight, my company, um, and the fact that we in, have not been consistent with our blogging. I used to blog like two to three times a week and never think anything about it. I was just cranking out content. We were generating leads. And then I just kind of got overwhelmed and lazy. And and I realized like at one point that in a solid year, the only blog post I had put up are, I'm the tech guru on a local TV station, the NBC affiliates up here. So like I'd go on there and do like, I just did a segment on like uh, spooky internet Halloween sites, you know, stupid stuff like that. And and like, that would be my blog post for three months. You know, that would be it. So then I remember that, well, I am putting this podcast together on a weekly basis. So I am creating content. I think that agencies should be creating content. That's one of the ways that we get business. Um, the balancing act is I think you need to block out time for content creation. It doesn't have to be you as the owner if that's not your thing, but somebody on your team probably should be doing it. Um, I feel much better now that I'm tracking my time and tracking the benefits like these two jobs uh, in terms of lead generation. So I feel good about the time that I'm doing it. I haven't run all the numbers I should. I hate numbers. I'm just starting to get better at them now. My wife uh, was my partner for years. She's recently moved on to a new job, which has forced me to actually pay attention to my business, which is a good thing, painful, but good. Um, but one of the things that I've recently done is sat down with my new bookkeeper and said, I want to understand exactly what it costs us to build out a website or do agents of, it actually came from agents of change. Um, and I'll share something that's a little scary. So my goal with agents of change is to be in the black at the end of it. And we had our most successful year. We sold the most tickets ever, uh, great on every level of success in my opinion. And I walk in the next day and I'm and, and, uh, my project manager says, so we lost $1,300. I'm like, are you kidding? How is that even possible? And so she said, well, I looked at our numbers and you know, our biz, our biggest expense is our team's time in putting on this event. 
And so I said, you know, let me see these numbers. And she showed me how many hours, and it, it's grown since then, but it was like 450 hours. We're, we're bet- probably about 480 when all was said and done. And we bill out at $100 an hour for project work. I'm like, well, that's we're not billing ourselves at our project rate. Like we have to know what. So we ran the numbers at our like what we would consider our break even point. And at that point, we made like $11,000. So I'm like, well, did we lose 1300 or did we make 11000 Because I'd like to kind of get my... So long story short is I said, I want to find out exactly what we, what it costs us per employee hour. And obviously different employees are going to be, be billed at different rates. So I sat down or she sat down because I only tell her what I want and then she actually does the math. And we figured out exactly through a very complicated um, algorithm. I don't know if you want to deal with it, but basically it was what does the employee cost us directly in terms of salary and um, benefits, insurance, taxes, and then a portion of the rest of our expenses, which are our fixed and variable overhead. But I decided that I was going to throw my bookkeeper and myself into the overhead because I don't really tr- do a good job of tracking my time. And I often consider myself to be more on the biz dev side and um, brand ambassador, so to speak. And when I ran those numbers, so I added my salary and all these other expenses onto each employee and spread that out. Then I knew exactly what we made, what it cost us. And the number shot up in terms of what we actually made as a profit for the event. So that was a big changing point for me. And the only thing I'd say is if your listeners want to think about it that way, like if I do any billable work or if I get paid for a speaking gig, that's just bonus money for us. Because right now the way I look at it is I'm now free. It was the most freeing thing I've ever done. Like I know how much business I need to bring in to keep all of my employees busy enough that we make all of our costs at least and that everything else over that is going to be profit. It also frees me up to do whatever I need to do. And if I need to pitch in extra time on a project because the client needs a little extra handholding or they want to speak to the owner, like I don't have to worry about that. If I want to spend more time doing a podcast or do the side hustle with the streamlined marketing workshops thing that I'm doing, which flight is going to get clients from in the end, you know, or if I want to write my book during the workday, that's all okay as long as it's leading towards our growth because the exercise I did actually created a lot of freedom in my own day for myself. Honestly, you're kind of making me kick myself right now because I would love to just dig in to this exercise because when I talk to so many agency owners, both through the podcast, through my job at Hubstaff, it's it's crazy how little insight they often have into the profitability of their business. They know if they have more money coming in than going out. But if you were to ask them, how much does it cost you to build a website? A lot of them would just kind of shrug their shoulders, well, about this. And if you were to ask them, like, bet on it, like, are you really that sure about that? No, they're probably not. And it's having those types of insights, like you're talking about, let you actually act on them. And this is new for me. Like, I'm not saying, like, I've been doing this for 19 years. Like, this is still fairly new. We hired – I was doing really well, and then all of a sudden – we weren't. And when I, we hired a local firm to kind of work with us on it and some of their advice was good and some of it I threw out. But the bottom line is they ended up bringing on a consultant who I really clicked with. And when I brought in these numbers to him this week, he said, first of all, uh, this is great, Rich. Like your numbers are spot on. Secondly, like as your business consultant, I almost feel like tears of joy right now. And third, what kind of pod did you come out of and where is the real Rich Brooks? <laughs> no, and that's the thing is this is something that just intuitively most people don't get. I don't get this. I can't just naturally come up with these things. But I, the level of clarity just hearing you talk about this is is amazing because everything you're saying is exactly right. It, it lets you finally know, breathe with a, a brush of fresh air, air, and understand like, hey, I know what it takes to keep things going, and then I don't need to worry as much about doing these extra things because it's, we're good. It's the most freeing thing ever because if you know, like, this is what I, I get anxious. I'm like, oh my god, we haven't like landed a new client in a while or whatever it might be. But then if I look at the numbers, I might see actually you're doing really well. Or I might have just cashed a bunch of checks because we just finished a bunch of jobs and I'm feeling like, all right, bonuses for everybody. <laughs> let's party. And then I look at our pipeline and I realize we've had no new leads in the last month or two. And our proposal numbers are down 50% compared to last year. That's like, holy cow, I need to really, you know, buckle down. I need to start doing more speaking. Like I know I can tell now like an early warning system. 
how much more work, how much more gas I need to to put, you know, how much more of the pedal I need to push down on. Those kind of things, like I used to hate them, but now I realize how freeing those constructs are to me being able to focus on the stuff that's most important to the business. It lets and, you uh, stop being reactive. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so, and, and after a while, you know, you continually improve on these numbers. There are some numbers that we were really important to us at the beginning, um, but once we kind of realized that they never changed, we said, all right, forget about that. That's not a KPI anymore, a key performance indicator. And we focus on other things instead. And that's really helped us. And, um, you know, we were in the red for a couple of years and now we are soundly in the black and, and year over year, we've really been trending in the right direction. And I also now, as we fix things, other problems, start to surface that were always there, but you, you couldn't see almost like you're on a, a, a lake and you know, you can't see the rocks underneath the lake, but um, at, they can still do damage to the bottom of the boat. So we've kind of seen that. Like, so as I fix certain problems, other things that were lurking, lurking down below have suddenly emerged. And so we're like, okay, well that's the next thing we need to tackle. So at one point it was systems. We didn't really have great systems in place. So we were doing a lot of the same work in every single project and it should have been automated. You know, we were basically creating everything from scratch on every single website and, and that's pointless. I mean, you may, it may make your creative director really happy, but that's not the way to be profitable. And if you want to have a job, then we need to be profitable. So these were some of the things that like, I'm getting better at this. I wish somebody had sat me down in year one to have this conversation rather than year 19. But hey, at least I, somehow I survived um, in all these years. And now actually I'm sitting there going, all right, well, how do I actually do this in a way so I can have all my dreams as an agency owner? Have you had a podcast where you just talk more about this? No, you know, this is uh, it's funny because I know that we were going to talk mostly about the conference and stuff. And obviously we've gone off in a different direction just in part because the, everything's so interconnected. Um, I may at some point, I'm kind of like, you know, I'm having this coming out party to you right now. Um, but, but I haven't, the things haven't solidified. And like I said to my wife the other day, I'm like, I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop on these numbers. Like I'm waiting for, first I was waiting for my consultant to say, Rich, all your numbers are upside down and you're actually underwater. And he's like, <laughs> no, in fact, if anything, your estimates are fairly conservative. I think you made more money than that. Um, so these, you know, but I'm waiting, like I want things to settle down and get in this trend. And then I can turn around and teach people like, Hey, this is what I did. And this is what made a difference. And maybe this will make a difference in your own business. And that's kind of, you know, most of my business growth has been through, um, by mistake. And then it turned out it worked really well or by me experimenting with something and seeing if it works or it doesn't work. And so I, I think there's a certain amount of that in every single business, but no, I haven't sat down and kind of said, here's how you run a successful agency because my podcast listeners are not necessarily agency owners anyways, although I'm sure I have some in there. All right. Well, I'm going to check back in a few months. And if you haven't put anything out, I'm going to force you to come back on so we can really dive deep into that. Because honestly, hearing it come out of your mind, like that's where so many agency owners, they need that. Because once they realize that it's freeing and just hearing in your voice, there's no way to deny how freeing that feeling is to finally understand how the business actually looks at any given time to be able to predict before it happens, before like before the check bounces to know when you need to get out there and get some more leads. All of those things just lift a ton of weight off of an agency owner's shoulders. Absolutely. And one other thing that I'll say that I do, and I wish I had done from the beginning is, um, and I wish I did this more with more people, but I have a competitor in town, a friendly competitor. We go after the same projects. We bid on a lot of the same projects. I have complete respect for her and her company. She kicks ass. Um, and we get together every three to six months and we just sit there and talk about our businesses. And there's certain things we obviously don't share. I mean, there's certain things I know I don't share with her, but, uh, there are other things where we kind of work together. It's like, well, how do you handle lunches? Are they paid? How do you handle paid uh, worker uh, hourly employees versus uh, salaried employees? How do you do contractors? What's your policy on this? What's your policy on that? And so we're not giving away advantages that the other one could use against us, but we are learning how to run our businesses better based on what's working and not working for the other person. And mm. that's something that I would recommend that people get out there and do more often. Absolutely. It's almost like an informal mastermind. Exactly. As much as I would love to just go down the rabbit hole with this, I want to respect your time and just not put out a three-hour episode. So what we'll do is we'll wrap things up with a few rapid-fire questions. I'll, I'll rattle them off. You don't need to be too rapid-fire to answer. Don't worry about it. And don't read too deep into them. So the first one is, what do you spend too much time on? I would say that I spend too much time – 
on doing things that I should be delegating out. And I know that's kind of a vague answer. I'm trying to get better at giving more things to my team rather than doing them myself and focusing on what I do best. I think we're all suited to do certain things well and other things poorly. And so that's really what I'm trying to do. And even the things I've had to take back, like some of the financials and stuff like that, again, I'm not doing the math. I'm just saying it would be helpful for me to know these things and then somebody else is going off and doing them. So I still struggle with that. Like I decided today because my developer couldn't do it that I needed to figure out why we were getting a 404 error on a thank you page, you know, so I shouldn't be doing that. I should just put up with it for two days and have somebody work on it, but I couldn't stand that it had been out there for already who knows how long. So I, I went to work on it. I need to stop doing those jobs. And so what on the other side of the coin, what do you not spend enough time doing? These days, I would say creating content. Despite my weekly podcast for Agents of Change, we're just not doing a good enough job as an agency uh, creating content for Flight New Media. We've tried to get back into that. I've got a great new director of business development who's kind of kicking me in the ass over it. But um, that's something that I personally enjoy, that I'm good at, and um, I just need to be spending more time doing it. Awesome. And so I'm curious, what are your long-term plans for Agents of Change and Flight New Media? Uh, Agents of Change, I want to continue having the annual conference here in Portland, Maine in September. I just love doing it and I love bringing all these experts to Maine. But I would like to play around with expanding it into some maybe smaller workshops in other parts of New England. I've had some requests to put on a version of it in Vermont and New Hampshire. And I definitely want to look into doing those kind of things and seeing if there's interest in having those kind of events uh, for sure. And then uh, for Flight New Media, I... After a while of being happy at about eight employees, I've decided that it's a dangerous number for us to be at. It's too small for us to be deep in any one category. So we're looking for ways to expand and maybe get up to 12 to 15 employees. And maybe that's through contractors. Maybe that's through full-time employees. Not for the sake of taking on employees. I don't think that's necessarily a good goal to have. But just in terms of the amount of ongoing work that I want to be doing for small to medium-sized businesses across the U.S., and so, Rich, as much as I'd love to keep chatting, to wrap things up, I want to I wanna ask, where can listeners go to learn more about Agents of Change, about Flight New Media, and even just to hear some of your thoughts? Sure. All right. So um, you guys obviously all love podcasts. And so why don't you go check out my podcast? It's all about di- digital marketing stuff. Search social and mobile marketing, how to reach your ideal customers. And the easiest way to get there is probably just go to theagentsofchange.com. Uh, my website, my agency website, if you want to check that out, is takeflight.com. And that's F-L-Y-T-E.com. And then I'm most active these days on Twitter. Uh, I am the Rich Brooks on Twitter. Uh, I'm the Rich Brooks anywhere. If anybody wants to reach out and chat with me, awesome! I'll make sure to get all of that linked up in the show notes. And I just want to say thanks so much for coming on. I really had a lot of fun talking to you today. Me too, Andy. Appreciate the opportunity. Hearing Rich talk about the freedom he feels now that he has those real insights into the profitability of his agency was amazing. I'm definitely going to follow up with him in a few months to see how things are going and see if he's ready to dive deep into how he is able to use those insights to build a better agency. Beyond that, Rich was able to put into words why creating some sort of platform, whether it's a seminar for your local chamber of commerce, a podcast, or even a conference with attendees from around the world, why that sort of platform is such a valuable asset to an agency. First, it helps position you as an authority in the eyes of your audience. You aren't some random agency cold calling them to pitch your services. You're the person at the front of the room teaching them something valuable. If they want help implementing whatever you're teaching them, who do you think they're going to go to first? That's right, you. And second, it helps you build a network of some of the most influential people in your field. If there's a topic you're interested in learning more about, have the relevant experts speak at your event or come on your podcast. And if there's someone you would love to partner with, use your platform to open the door to that relationship. Putting on a conference and hosting a podcast takes a lot of work and honestly is not for every agency. But hosting a monthly wine and web event in your office like Andy Crestadina of Orbit Media Studios or a small presentation to your local chamber like Brennan Dunn are much more manageable ways to get your feet wet and start building your own platform. And who knows, maybe it's going to take off and soon enough you'll be back asking Rich to speak at your conference. That's all I have for you this week. So if you enjoyed the show and learned something, please head over to iTunes and leave a review. Tell me what it was that you learned. I love hearing from listeners and positive reviews really help us grow our audience. So if you could take a second to do that, I'd really appreciate it. I'll be back next week. Talk to you then. See ya. See ya.